the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> yeah, I hear it. And here is the daughter of the scout, <laughs> Stacy yes. Dollar. Hi, everybody. With us. We're glad to be with you tonight, folks. To be folks. back, yes. We and thank it. you for sharing these uh, this next 90 minutes <laughs> with us as well. Um, we're glad to be with you. We're, we finish up the book of Deuteronomy this coming week, uh-huh. the last two uh, programs on Deuteronomy will be Monday and Tuesday, and then we're going back to the New Testament. We pick up there with the Gospel of Mark. We've already read Matthew, and so we'll pick up with the Gospel of Mark on Wednesday, and um, we'll go into the full-blown light of the Messiah and the completed work of redemption carried out complete in mm-hmm. its completeness. Uh, I guess that's what Jesus meant when he said, it is finished. I've done it. It's yeah. done. Uh, yeah. And we were talking before the break, Carol, but not break, before we started the program about what is that difference between uh, our understanding. Is, is there any significant real difference between God's people and God's people's experience in what we call the Old Covenant and the Old Testament. What is the difference between what it meant to know God and walk with God then and what it means now? And that is a very, very interesting, mm-hmm. but also a very important important question yeah. that we must we had to get through it. And I think most Christians have asked themselves that same question: what What is different now from what 
Moses had, what Abraham had, what <laughs> Elijah, what the prophets had. I love, I still love, I always, when I think of this, I always go back to, and I can't help it, I was trying not to, I was trying not to go there in my mind as you were talking, and I just uh, did, <laughs> but um, the Bible Project, the, one of their very first videos that they ever put out was on holiness, mm-hmm. and I just thought it was so beautiful, and it was so well done. They took from you know the garden to that Isaiah, that famous, beautiful Isaiah chapter, uh, six. Uh, chapter six. Yes, King I saw the, the Lord. Lord. Okay. Yes, and that moment of the coal touching his lips, and I woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and they go into the relationship between his God's people with holiness prior to Jesus and then the relationship with God's people and holiness after Jesus. And that piece of coal represented in this image that Isaiah had, the Messiah. So Emmanuel, God with us. And the idea is that holiness is a consuming fire. And prior to Jesus, that consuming fire to be in its presence would destroy you. And so the Old Testament was kind of this, how do we relate to a God and be near and close to him without though being destroyed by him? And then when Jesus comes, he's that little ember of holiness. It's like a little inoculation he was mm-hmm. <laughs> of holiness amongst us. And instead of destroying and he healed everywhere he went, his that power and that holiness was, was well, the op, and it was just enough to instead of destroying, um, it, it was it was healing and and thereby giving us the opportunity to have a, a relationship with God with it, through Jesus and thereby becoming holy as he is and to then go out into the like the river and Ezekiel and Revelation and to heal and, and be a salt and light to everything that we touch and everywhere that we are. Maybe. I just love that. Well, I don't know if yeah, that's... What you just said makes me think of what uh, Aslan said oh, when, you, when you when you an innocent person yeah. willingly gives it life for another. Mm-hmm. Uh, death begins to work backwards, mm-hmm. and that, with the understanding that holiness at one time consumed us, mm-hmm. in Christ the Messiah, it no longer consumes mm-hmm. and destroys. It transforms us, swallowed up in victory. <laughs> it, 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 Called right. to become right. holy. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, wow, that's a, a, right. a beautiful a imagery there. And I, I've always, if, if you get a chance, um, well, listen to Bible Live and then go and look up that Bible Project yeah. video <laughs> of holiness. And that image, I'll just, they do a great job with the graphics, you know, and that cold touching the lips and seeing. How can people really, find that? Oh, the Bible you could Project. Just, well, you, if an easy way would be Google Bible Project plus holiness. And a YouTube video will come up of that video, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and then they have all of their 
their videos on their website as well. Okay. So you can kind of navigate through that. And, yes. But it, they, they've got so many now, and they're all wonderful. But this one I thought was creme de la creme. Your great com- <laughs> companion content to yeah. oh, the, yes. the actual Bible right. itself. Yes. And, which is superior, <laughs> of <you>. oh, course. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> that's what we do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, we finished up the Deuteronomy. Uh, can almost. you make, uh, yeah, almost. Um, can you uh, give us a synopsis okay. and understanding of what Deuteronomy is all about? Yes. Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> I'll try. Uh, Moses is the understood, the assumed author. It is the last of what they call the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Um, it is, I believe it's a set of speeches. Uh, is that correct in terms of just the um, style? And I, I always laugh, like you have said, you know, this is Moses found his tongue. <laughs> he, he, uh, you know, he was the one that didn't want to go because he said, "I'm not a good speaker." And uh, look at him now; can't yeah. can't shut him up. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, no, uh, they timeline just they. Um, I guess probably. Well, they have this. Uh, we read from the New Living's. Um, translation, and they have a really wonderful study Bible. Uh, I recommend reading with a study Bible. It is really fun, or being able to listen to it and go back and cross-reference and look at the timelines and stuff. But uh, 1526-ish, um, Moses is born, and then Israel leaves Egypt around 1446, Mount Sinai. They date that Deuteronomy is written around 1406 and there is two there are two sets of dates this is kind of the uh-huh. the later yes the later um but that's what I'll go by uh and then Moses is not he is not allowed to enter into the promised land remember because of the rock in the water situation um but he so he is but he's overlooking so he's on the other side of the bank of the jordan and looking in over it and they say this is kind of his farewell address to the people um joshua is going to lead them in and take uh, over as leader of this group and uh it really as far as deuteronomy uh goes i mean i i Love it. When I think of the old covenant, and this is something else we were talking about, um, you know, I think a very basic question, sometimes they throw these out there, old covenant, new covenant, but it's a good, what, what is the old covenant again? (laughs) What is it? When, what is the new covenant again? And I think old covenant, I think of that very initial, the Abrahamic covenant. And there are several times in uh, the, even in the Pentateuch in the first five books where like with Noah, there's another, the Noah covenant. There's um, another with, uh, with David. And then the the Davidic. Okay. Um, But, I, I think of, like, you said, well, you know, this is our pastor, uh, you and he, when we do the Lord's Supper, I don't know if he says this phrase all every time, but he said it, and I was just especially paying attention really well this morning. And he just, I mean, this is, I'm sure, a term that people have, but an earthly representation 
of a spiritual reality. And so just the earthly representation of what's happening spiritually. And he was talking about the Lord's Supper. It's what a covenant is? No, No. sorry. I'm sorry. Right. So, but keeping that phrase in mind, an earthly representation of a spiritual reality. And when I think the old covenant, I think very much God, there was a spiritual happenings. Absolutely. And, um, but earthly representations of that. And we see that very much in the Abrahamic covenant. So it's a very earthly representation. Um, I will be your God, obey me. Um, These are the laws that I will give. Uh, I will give you, and if you do, then there will be, you'll have, you know, uh, descendants, as, as many as the stars, I will make a great nation out of you. I will. And I think these are, are earthly. Yes. Representations, earthly things. These are happening, but it's uh, representing a spiritual reality. So I think it's always keeping in mind that the big picture and what he's what he's doing is Jesus. It's always about Jesus. It's always about um, yes. and and nations and nation building. I think there was an earthly representation. He had to have a people through which he would bring the Messiah. There had to be a people group that was sustainable, that would actually not just com- destroy themselves, like we see. I mean, uh, the pe- you know people were so evil and wicked, left to their own devices, they ended up just destroying each other and beca- or, or, and, and couldn't even get into how many generations before you, God just had to wipe them all out with Noah. Right. <laughs> and so he needed a people group through which that, that could actually and would obey him and have the, and, and these laws, I always think his law is love. <laughs> um, and through, and, and in obeying these laws, that are good for them and that will serve them well, preserve, and preserve them. them, would come, like God said, yes, and uh, uh, descendants as numerous as the stars. That's maybe, but that's just the earthly representation. And it's not, doesn't mean salvation, um, no. but it would prepare the way and lead to the person that is salvation. Yes. I don't know if that, um, um, but Deuteronomy is full of, and, and I think it's fascinating. And just because it's an only maybe an earthly representation, it doesn't diminish it. I, I think it's just as important. And, but these, the laws that Moses gives down and his encouragement and his, um, I mean, I, I think, I think it's just, fascinating. I mean, if you're a person, maybe, you know, this is an election year, you know, 2024, November is going to, we all know this. This is, um, read Deuteronomy. I feel like there's just, it's because it's so practical, um, because it speaks to who else besides the God of the universe who created you and knows how humanity operates and functions best. I mean, he, 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 this is like human, uh, user manual. Deuteronomy yeah, is humanity's right. user manual. And he's just trying to say, this is how you function best when you're trying to work and live together amongst one another. And, you know, this is husbands and wives and children and grandchildren. And this is how you deal with 
um, crime and criminal, and this is how you. And I mean, Moses has to do that. He has to set up these laws so that they can survive. I know. I think it's. I think it's fascinating. So that's. And and so did our nation. You know, so did our. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure. Mo- I mean, Moses is one of uh, the statues when you first enter into the uh, foyer of the Supreme Court, and he's that for a reason. Um, he's foundational. Oh, that was my. <laughs> Hello there. Um, sorry, a little coughing. But uh, so that's that's my. Well, that's all in answer <laughs> to the question that we're talking about before is. What is the old covenant? Yeah. <clears throat> what does it mean? The <clears throat> Old Testament, New Testament, and <coughs> you need some more. In what way is the Old Testament different in terms of the experience of God's people? And I think it, it's it's a very good question. In some ways. It's easy to answer. In some ways, it's very difficult. Um, There's only been one redemptive plan of God. Mm -hmm. We know that for sure. It's not to God's calling out of people for himself. In one group of people uh, have a different standard and a different message and a different way of relating to God than the other. No, that one people, we are the people of God, mm-hmm. and there's one salvation. What seems to be different is the level of understanding of that plan, of the of that covenant. The I don't know that I'll push back a little bit because yeah. I remember you last week saying, um, you, Mom, and I were talking about this, I think, yeah. and you said, I don't know. I, they knew more than we probably give them yeah, credit they for. They knew knowing. more and they knew less. That, yes, okay. In some ways. <laughs> right. uh, I think the, the, the great ones, <laughs> the Abrahams, the Moses, uh, Elijah, the great prophets, and those, Daniel, I think they knew more than we, than their time, people that, and they knew more than we might think they knew. Mm -hmm. Because they, I mean, look at Daniel's life. Look at what they accomplished and and how they, how God used them. Mm -hmm. But, uh, that pales when it comes to what uh, Jesus told his disciples. Greater things than I have done, you're going to do. Right. Because now in in mm-hmm. the fulfilling, see, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the prophets, they knew that we were going to be uh, that the, we were going to receive the spirit of God was to become uh, was going to be among us and mm-hmm. we were going to be uh, in a new relationship God's spirit would go I will pour out my spirit upon right. you yeah. and they knew it 
uh, and they announced it. But we, <laughs> the, I, I don't know if anybody knew the difference, that the, the incredible difference it made when God's people are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit of mm-hmm. God, <laughs> indwelling, escorting them, guiding them, uh, uh, controlling and sure. empowering them. Right. You even, even you know, in terms of Deuteronomy, you've got that. Of course, the tablets and written on stone, but someday yeah. they'll be written on our on exactly. our hearts. Exactly. Yes. Exactly <laughs> right. And so, I'm guessing a lot of the difference between the old covenant and the new had to do with about with understanding. Uh, Hebrew seems to go along with that. The book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. It compared the old covenant with the new, mm-hmm. and, and it talked about yeah. now we know so yeah. much more. You know, and I like, too, how Jesus, um, I think Jesus even in Luke, when he's talking, uh, so many of his parables are the bridegroom and wedding parables, and it's the idea of... I'm I'm here now, you know, and so it, maybe you get the idea that as far as a, if it's a relationship or if it's a marriage, the old, I really just don't, I don't know if I, it's not old as in, and then God scrapped it and it's like, I'm going to do right, this instead. Yeah. <laughs> it's not old and new as in, we, yeah, what we mean, it's, no. uh, but as far as the old, maybe it's kind of. We know we're going to get married. We're not exactly sure who we're going to get married. But you're preparing for a wedding, and you're preparing, you're getting ready, and it's a lot of, maybe it's a little more stressful. I'm just going with this yeah. analogy. I don't know. Yeah. But then when Jesus comes, it's it's like, okay, I'm here now. I'm, I'm here, and it's no longer preparing and getting ready for, although that is exciting and important and a really wonderful time too in yes, a way yes. but it's very different than when the bridegroom is actually in your presence there's no more i think in luke you know the pharisees asked him why don't why are or you don't fast like john's disciples or like the pharisees disciples and he says well why would they why would they fast when when I'm here, the <laughs> when the bridegroom, bridegroom is, is here. here. <laughs> and so maybe that's kind of one way to um, look at it is that we're in the era of his uh, his indwelling presence um, where there is maybe, I don't know about more freedom because I don't know that that's the, uh, but it's, it's different, I guess. It's, it's, a different re- it's a different experience when you're preparing for him to come versus when he has arrived. And then, of course, heaven and his, the second coming. Yeah, that's sensible. Yeah. <laughs> we wow. still have something to look forward yeah, to. Well, a lot so, to look forward to. Maybe well, that. that is a wonderful question. And it's natural that we think of that now when we come to Deuteronomy because... Uh, were the five books of Moses, as you said, the sage is set. The the uh, they are now at the brink of uh, on on the uh, by the Jordan River. The camp there, they're ready to go into the promised land, and Moses delivers this series of four or five long speeches. Uh, in the format, by the way, Deuteronomy 
Rodney is in the format of a peace agreement oh, I love uh, that. between uh, uh, rival kings. Right. And, the, okay. and so the king had the conquering king list the history of the people's relationship with him. Then he gets what he expects of them and what will happen if they obey the command with him and what will happen if he disobeys. Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, the format of a, of a treaty between the rival kings in the Old Testament. And, of course, uh, Moses would have known about that because he grew up in the palaces of Pharaoh. Right. Yeah. And he wrote the book in that format of, of a covenant or a, a peace treaty between God and his people. Mm -hmm. So it began the opening chapter, a review of the relationship, and then what he expects of us, of, of his people. Mm -hmm. What if they obey, and what if they disobey? Mm -hmm. And final, finally, the exhortation to obey, yeah. to trust God. And I love that. I, you know, whenever you think of law or rules or obedience— we do tend to kind of gulp a little bit. And I just love that. Let's see, in Deuteronomy 6, 24, And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. Just that reminder that the whole motive for God's laws and the regulations is for their own well-being and survival. Exactly. This is The law is for them, not against them. His law is love. I always think of that little scene in Lord of the Rings when um, Gandalf is like, I'm trying to help you. <laughs> yeah, you have I think to of God. Him. I'm trying, this is for you. And I also have another little quote, but that is our music. Thanks, Barry. That's right. And uh, we are just talking about Deuteronomy. That's our music. So we'll take a little break and we'll come back and continue talking about uh, God's law. It's words, it sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. I love that old hymn, too. <laughs> Good find, Barry. That's great. Well, we're back. Well, we are back and talking about Deuteronomy, which, by the way, we uh, kind of said we need to remind you and us that it means uh, a second law, and it, it marks its second giving of the law. Moses here, giving the law anew to the people of Israel, camped at the banks of the Jordan River uh, with plans to cross over this time. Remember, the first time they got to this point, they chickened out, and they failed. And so uh, 40 years they were wandering in the wilderness, 
And now, here they are again, ready to take that step of faith, uh, camped across the river from the from the great uh, walled city of Jericho. And uh, this time, it seems like all systems are go. They're ready to it's obey. A completely new generation. It's a yeah. completely new group of people, I guess, except for Joshua and Caleb. Yeah. Um, which I think is kind of a fascinating. It's somewhat. It's kind of sad in in a way, um, but well, it's not completely new. I, I guess from it, who was there at the the first? Right? Well, there's something <laughs> we always forget when we say that the people who died in the wilderness were the men. Oh. Not not the women. Okay. Uh, so maybe there were women there mm-hmm. who. Now I don't know the average lifespan. Maybe it was also most of the women mm-hmm. were all gone as well. Mm. But uh, they they weren't there. Now it's interesting that w- when they do the Battle of Jericho. And we'll get to that when we go into Joshua. Uh, the Rahab, uh, who is, there, is a believer in the city of Jericho, mm-hmm. and she is a believer because she remembers the stories of Israel coming out of Egypt 40 years before. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. Rahab is, is a believer in the true and living God, because of, evidently she heard when she was a young girl about them coming out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you pay attention to details in the Old Testament, right? Yeah, it really it is fun. It, it, yeah, it, yes, it makes you it gives you a different perspective quite often of what what happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But here they are; they're ready. to to go in, uh, Moses had been told he will not go in, not right now at least. You know, Moses, by the way, yes, people, he, I love he this. Did, this is he one did, of those details. Yeah, <laughs> he did indeed finally get into the promised land. And people don't sometimes they don't Isn't remember. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Do you remember, uh, Barry? When did Moses, remember he was told you won't go into the promised land, and he died on the top of Mount Pisgah. Mm-hmm. But Moses did finally get it, able to go into the promised land. Do you remember when? Hmm. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a little uh, bit of a trick yeah, question. Yeah, it's a trick to, question, uh, yes. Sophie. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's true, though. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Did he, did, did, when do we find Moses? Uh, that's a, in, that's a good, better way of phrasing it, yeah. When do we find Moses in the promised land? Hmm. Well, I've got to go turn my brain back on here and uh-huh. just kind of think about this. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll let you do that, <laughs> and we'll also let our listeners do okay. that. Uh, when was finally Moses allowed 
to go into the promised land. Mm -hmm. Give us a call if you'd like to answer that question. 210-340-9585. We've talked about it before, but it's a very interesting thought and idea that Moses did finally was able, (laughs) permitted, to go into the promised land. I know now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Google, right? The great Google. Bible scholar named Google. Uh, I'll keep it to myself. So <laughs> Isn't that calls. fun? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. We, we, we forget about it. Uh-huh. We think, oh. Well, you, I think the thing is, well, too, you, you don't think of that location as being the same location. Yeah. Thousands of years later, there's your clue um where i mean that's that's where jesus that was the his that was the land where he was did ministry and uh, we're all right there it's not, it all started and there he and, is. Mm-hmm. well you know while we're talking about it we might as well let people know uh, we're talking about uh the mount of transfiguration okay when yep. jesus was revealed mm-hmm. in his glory, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. His raiment shone with bright light, and he was, Jesus was transfigured, and they saw him in his glory mm-hmm. as he, the Son of God mm-hmm. incarnate. And, it, and with him was Moses and Elijah. Uh, Elijah. Mm-hmm. So Moses was there in the promised land. Elijah left his fiery uh, chariot (laughs) and he came down. uh, So I don't know what Moses, you know, it's probably a very different looking Moses, perhaps. But at least uh, they understood that to be Moses somehow. And um, yeah, that's interesting. After his resurrection, he preached to the disciples (laughs) about, uh, he said he started with Moses and the prophets, Uh Moses and Elijah, (laughs) and he showed them how he was always there. Mm -hmm. That the Old Testament there, Moses and the prophets, were all about him. Mm -hmm. And that's why we, of course, we know that to be true now in a way that, in a way that they didn't know they knew they knew it but, but we knew it it's happened now it has happened right. he has come he has lived he has spoken yeah. and we realize now uh, all those uh prophecies all all those predictions the specifics of how it yeah. would work together and how it work, would work out. I always, I just wanted that, uh, we've said it before, that little turn of phrase, but I just love it. And this, you and mom, this was the first time I, I had ever heard this. And so, uh, uh, yeah. but the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And I love that. It, it, like all while you're reading the Old Testament, you can look for the New Testament hidden in there, you know. And then all while you're reading the New Testament, you can absolutely 
read. Oh, this is this I this is this is the old time, you know. There um, and it, that's so fun. And it of course all centers on Jesus as that that's that right. central figure. Um, but it, it, it's uh, also a good answer to that question that that you asked uh, this evening uh, as we started out. What is a covenant? What is what is this old thing, this old arrangement, this old understanding that we don't mean the old in a derogatory way, but just in time, mm-hmm. it, it it precedes the the new has actually happened, like a, right. the Book of Hebrews points out, mm-hmm. and what's the difference? Between the old covenant and the new covenant. Maybe they should have, you know, this was like covenant 101, and then you get covenant 201. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you should see it more like a freshman class. You know, your you're, you're building on your yeah. calculus level. Yeah. You're not. It's calculus one, calculus two. I don't know. Covenant one, covenant two. Not, <laughs> not old. Not, not a bad idea. <laughs> I don't know. My, my work. Uh, well, we we are any. What more do we want yes. to say about Deuteronomy? Well, I wanted, if you don't mind, um, and I don't know if we've said, you know, if you're just tuning in, if the game ended, and you're listening to the radio now. I really hope the Lions win. Go Detroit. Sorry, anybody out there for forty nine? Nobody's for San Francisco, right? And so, right. Yeah, no. <laughs> but um, this is the Bible Live, and we are. This past week, we read through Deuteronomy. We're almost uh, finished it. Yes, uh, we'll complete. We'll finish it on Monday and Tuesday, and then go into reading Mark, um, which is really fun. I love this reading schedule. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, a lot of people do the okay. I'm going to read the Bible in a year, which is wonderful, of course. And there's all sorts of reading plans out there. I don't think I have ever found or seen one that I just love as much as this one. I, I really, I just mean that, you know, um, I, our church, I think some are doing a chronological reading right now and yeah, it's all right. It's kind of interesting, but, uh, I just, I love this. I love the back and forth. So, uh, you can listen to the readings by going to the com or just Bible com and go to, uh, programs and then podcast, and you'll have a whole list of all of the weeks if you need to binge watch it. <laughs> I mean, binge listen uh, or go back and repeat or do a couple a day. But and it's really great because it'll give exactly what passages you're reading. You can know and that it's dated, and so you can know exactly which date you need to you know, to listen to. Uh, and dad always does a really wonderful opening that will recap and tell you some context and put you in there. And then he'll give you a nice little outro. Um, but it is primarily just scripture, but it helps to have that context, I think. Uh, and then on the front page, if you are, the, if you actually just go to the very front page every day, the day's reading is right there and you don't even have to navigate anywhere. Um, so that is what we are reading. And, and then on on Sunday nights, we will talk about the reading, and um, this is my third year. Um, this is Dad's 
23rd year. <laughs> He's a little ahead of me. But uh, I always do like to say um, I, I lived in Los Angeles for about six years. And I remember the first year, second year, was just awful and didn't feel like home. And I remember talking to a good friend, um, one of my one of the only other Christians out there that I um, that I knew in this industry and and the industry I was in. And he said, you know, it takes about three years before you really start to feel at home in LA. And I think he was saying, and I think that's probably true about any city, you know, it takes about three years before you can know which grocery store to go to, what side streets to take, how long it's going to go, where you go to get coffee, where you really get comfortable and you know the city and where it feels like home. I think reading through the Bible is kind of like that. It takes about three years where you're like, okay, starting to know the roads, <laughs> starting to know the, the speed limits in Deuteronomy. And then, you know, starting to know when to slow down, when to speed up, when to, and, um, where the grocery store is, where the, so yeah. who's who, um, and it's really fun. It starts to feel a little bit more home. So if if uh, so, stick with it. Do it every every year. It's uh, not a one and done. And so that's a lot of fun. So that's what my ha- plug for the Bible Live. What <laughs> happened in uh, I've noticed from others who have told me I've been listening to you in about the third year. Yeah. Things begin to click. Right. Yeah, they begin to remember. From one year to the next, and to begin to get an ongoing running uh, overview of the whole Bible. And uh, I I put yourself to the test in your understanding of the Bible. Can you start at Genesis and talk through the Old Testament and talk through, well, the timeline. The timeline. Mm-hmm. What happened? What are the major events? And and move along. Th- that usually happens about the third year. Mm-hmm. You begin to remember that and catch the idea mm-hmm. of how uh, the Bible the Bible is mm-hmm. laid out. Yes, and you can read. And I love going between the gospel, you know, the New New Testament. I'll say it, and the Old, just because too. I, I think you really get to see the connections and see and you know that's Jesus so much of what that what's really fun is so much of the gospels is really just Jesus right um, being himself being himself and um, quoting the Old Testament so you get to read the Old Testament again through Jesus reading of it um, which is fun but back to Deuteronomy one more thing on you know it it can tend to it can be a little bit tedious um just because of the it's very it's so practical so it is sometimes hard to see what is the spiritual reality that this um physical character representation is supposed to be telling me and because a lot of it is a very practical how do you deal with <coughs> sorry now i'm coughing <coughs> but how do you deal with um, relationships and Crime, you know, crimes and festivals, and uh, when do you, you know, how do you um, treat widows and orphans? And it's wonderful; it's very good things, but it's very practical, and it can be uh, also tempting to think that okay, well, is is our covenant, is our salvation somehow tied in our ability to keep these commandments? And no, that was never 
the the case because even then, I mean, Israel did nothing to deserve God's choosing of them as a people group through which to give these laws. And it's even in Deuteronomy that he says, you didn't do anything. This is, I just chose you. And then two, he knew that they would never be able to live up to these. So this is not a salvation. Uh, this isn't do this and you will be saved spiritually at least. Um, but it is a law that is a preservation. Do this and physically your life will go better for you. Yeah. You will have, you will be preserved as a people group. Anyway, all that to say, I want to read a quick little excerpt from um, Charlotte Bronte wrote this in Jane Eyre. So this is Jane Eyre um, talking and she's talking about the law and I think this is just such a good reminder. Um, this is when, you know, she goes back and, uh, no, no, this is when she finds out that Heathcliff is married. You know, he has the ma- the woman, the wife that's insane, and he, but he wants Jane to be his mistress. And she desperately wants to because she loves him, but she knows that she should not because he's married. And so this is the in the turmoil that's going on in her head. And she could easily just, you know, we could definitely humans, we we could justify it and think of all ways around this. And, oh, just do it because, you know, it doesn't really count. He's not really married. But this is the internal dialogue. But this is not, not Heath, Heathcliff the cat. No, not Heathcliff the cat. <laughs> the cat. Okay. Am I also getting? It's not Heathcliff. It's Roth. Uh, it's Roth, It's uh, Rochester. Sorry, I'm getting my uh, characters mixed up. Uh, yeah, you were confusing your daddy here. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, but Jane Eyre, Rochester. You know, uh, but this is Jane's internal dialogue, and she's trying to talk herself up into doing the right thing. I will keep the law given by God, sanctioned by man. I will hold to the principles received by me when I was sane and not mad as I am now. Laws and principles are not for the times when there is no temptation. They they are for such moments as this, when body and soul rise in mutiny against their rigor. Stringent are they, inviolate they shall be. If at my individual convenience I might break them, what would be their worth? They have a worth, so I have always believed. And if I cannot believe it now, it is because I am quite insane, quite insane. With my veins running fire and my heart beating faster than I can count its throbs, pre preconceived opinions, foregone determinations are all I have this hour to stand by. There I plant my foot. I love that. Isn't that so good? We forget, you know, so it, know the law, internalize it because sure, when you're not tempted, it, you know, it might be, you might think, oh, this is easier. This is great. But the laws aren't for when it's easy. (laughs) The laws are for, there will come a day when everything in you wants to break that or, and you have to remember what the law is when you were saying, you know, what the law is and that it, the law is meant to, to, to love you. It, it, his law is love. It's there to protect you. It's for you. And um, anyway, I just love, I thought that she captured oh, yes. just the essence that of the law did, so well in that. Isn't I that did great? not know that that kind of depth was found in, in, that, in that particular book. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but that, that, the law makes sense, uh, but and, and I can tell too. Now that we're talk, now when I talk about the law, 
as a believer. Uh, now that I'm 70 some years old, <laughs> and I realize that I can see to some degree that God had written them on my heart. Right. Mm-hmm. There are laws that at one time were, they were foreign to me. There were a principle of instruction that I knew I had to keep, and I thought of them as as something outside of me that I had to regard with respect in a way. Now, I increasingly, I found that the law is it's there in me. Right. It makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. That's the right thing. That's the only thing. The only logical thing to way to behave in this moment in this situation, mm-hmm. and you can see that process that God has written it on your mind now. After so many times of hitting the head <laughs> against the wall and yeah. making mistakes, you've changed. Mm-hmm. God has changed you, and now. You're you're believing the right thing and doing the mm-hmm. right thing be, because it's part of you mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's a wonderful thing to dis- discover increasingly. And I think there's the relationship between that and and a faith and a life of faith, uh, because mm-hmm. the the more you walk out in faith, the stronger your faith becomes. The more you get to experience his provision and his being a worthy object of your faith. And I always love that, you know, Aslan, back to C.S. Lewis, but Aslan gets bigger and Aslan says, I'm, I'm only bigger because you've grown bigger. And, uh, that idea, that relationship of between growth and obedience and growth and faith, um, your understanding of the law. I also love, maybe there's a kind of connection, you know, um, you mentioned this quote from Lewis, but the, it's uh, there's a deeper magic yeah. when a willing victim who is innocent gives their life for another death starts working backwards. The beginning of that was um, the witch knew the deep magic, but there's a deeper magic still that she did not know when a willing victim. And maybe that's also kind of the difference between, you know, yes, kind of an, a surface understanding of the basics of, you know, the Ten Commandments. But there's a deeper law than it's not just about what's on the stone tablets. It's not just about the Ten Commandments. There's a deeper magic. There's a deeper understanding that comes with as you walk out in obedience more and more. And you do. You become more of who you were actually created to be. Exactly right. And there's a relationship here that is very important for Christians to understand in our walk with God and the book of Deuteronomy or God's law. And it has to do with the concept of confession, Mm -hmm. confession sin. We often wonder, we understand that Confession of sin is a religious, religious term, a religious reality, but uh, it, it's closely wound up in its idea 
of the renewing of our mind mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the changing of the way we yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why it's such an important concept for us to understand as believers to confess our sin mm-hmm. uh, because we participate in that way in the transforming of our thinking mm-hmm. about what's true yeah. and what's right. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. Um, well, that is our music. Very beautiful music. One more say. segment to go. <laughs> yeah, so that is the end of our second segment. We will be back uh, with our last segment after this. Um, you're listening to The Bible Live. Stay with us. Now you better get ready because I'm telling you why. Jesus is the coming from his throne on high. Many of the weary, the lone and sad, they're going to wish they hadn't done the things they had. Now how you going to feel about when the things he said? On that judgment day, I say now. Everybody gonna have religion and glory. Everybody gonna be singing a story. Everybody gonna have a wonderful time up there. Oh, 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 oh glory, hallelujah! You better get your record of the coming of morning. You better get it ready, cause I'm giving yes, you a warning. Yes, yes. Everybody gonna have a wonderful time up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so <All> right. fun. <laughs> They don't make them like they used to. Do we have any song? Do we have a song like that? No, like that. Oh, that is fun. Well, this is The Bible Life, and this is our last segment. We're talking about the book of Deuteronomy, the book of the, the law, the last uh, book of the Pentateuch, um, written by Moses just before he, uh, he dies and before the... Uh, Hebrews before Israel went, goes into uh, Canaan, into the Promised Land, led by Joshua at that point. Mm-hmm. And you uh, uh, had a really neat uh, right note on confession and the role of confession in yes. regeneration, and uh, and you know, I think kind of a theme when you're looking reading the Book of Deuteronomy is keeping in mind God is creating and preserving and helping to helping to preserve and building this relationship with a specific people group on earth that are governed by earthly physics and laws and he's giving them the tools um the uh, the the physical the, the laws by which to live to uh, I I like my the human user manual he's giving them the hu- the user manual for humanity um, he created us he knows us best he knows how we operate how we function how we um, need to work together and how to uh, he he's he's not just looking though to preserve but to change us to 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 take us from uh, so it's it's interesting because on one hand, uh, there are aspects of us that had to literally to, to die. I mean, the, so the, the sin, the cancer that had affected all of humanity the, had to be destroyed, had to have uh, punishment, but he didn't want it to destroy us. And so how was he going to work that out? What was his plan? And this is a very, this was part of the, the beginnings of this working this out. How do we preserve them physically while meanwhile breaking them down and destroying the parts of them that need to be destroyed, that do need to die. But then, of course, ultimately to 
to be able to be born again. Yes, I, born again. Born again. You bring up that <laughs> phrase. Uh, God's solution is a brand new creation. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, right. His and mission. It, mm-hmm. you, if any man be in Christ, he's, he's a, a new brand new creature. creature. Yeah. A, cre- a new creation, a new person. It's an amazing thought that God had done that. Uh, we are new people. We have a new nature. We have new impulses because of Christ renewing us. And we uh, now what he is doing in us, we're learning to think and live and act and experience the life as this new person that he made us be. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting, I, I thought this when I was teaching some uh, uh, Air Force trainee this morning, we were talking about the concept of confession mm-hmm. of sin. Mm-hmm. And the word, of course, means uh, confession, means homologales, say the same thing about our sin that God said. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't mean just saying the same thing, but we want to, to believe the same. Right. But confession is we start off by saying the same thing. What God said is right and good and mm-hmm. proper, mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. And what is not is not. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what confession is. We go to God in, uh, you know, we we have some habit. We have a bad temper. We, uh, we pad our resume. We lie about ourselves or any number of things and and. And I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, I, I'm sorry, that's wrong. What I did was wrong. Mm-hmm. And so, so I agree with God about the reality about sin. Then I agree with him about the result of my sin. Mm-hmm. Well, Lord, that that hurt me. That hurt my friend, people around me. I do. It robbed me of my joy my effectiveness for you, Lord, I, I agree that, that that's wrong and that hurts me. Now, when we're doing that, and, and what we're told to do is confession, we are participating with God in the process of transforming. Mm-hmm. But God, God isn't just about us obeying a bunch of rules. It's about us in writing those rules on our heart mm-hmm. and that's obeying it because it's part of us. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it represents our values, our morals, and the right and wrong. And confession of sin is us participating in that process of the change. Lord, I... By faith, I'm saying, you're right, that's wrong, and this uh, behavior is wrong, it's hurtful, mm-hmm. it's harmful. And then you uh, do that long enough, and God deals with you long enough, you'll come to the fact that you'll believe it. <laughs> and, and it may be painful. Mm-hmm. There may be some pain and suffering in coming to that, yeah. but... It, 
the the uh, wonderful thing is at the end you come out being closer to the holy man or yeah. woman of yeah. God that God's calling it to be. Yeah. And so I, I had never seen confession as in that sense as part of the process of of being renewed, of changing my thinking right. permanently. Right about what's right and wrong. But I think that's a powerful uh, note in favor of confessing our sin to the Lord. Right. Agreeing yeah. with what, saying the same thing right. he said Isn't about that it. so nice of him to give us the script? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because you're right. It is a very, it can be a very agonizing, difficult thing to have something that really is kind of an idol or a sin or, you know, a cancer in your life. To have that ripped from you. I mean, it, it, it can really hurt you. I don't want to treat that lightly. I mean, that's the stuff of, uh, I mean, you, you, you put your whole identity sometimes in these things. Right. And you, you even hate it. You know that it needs to go. But it is hard, very hard. It's super, it's a very human experience, too. I mean, I think we all under, you know, know these kind of, and um, it's hard to, to let go or to allow. Um, but he doesn't ask us to actually do that difficult part. All he asks of us is to confess. He gives us the script. He says, just say it. Just, just, I think of that, um, CS, you know, the great divorce. I think there's not a better, um, writing. Well, I'm sure that, but it is such a good, um, visual, of what it is when something that you've just an addiction or some sin that has gotten really entwined in your life, and but it has to be destroyed. It has to. It and, and it, it has to. You cannot keep it. You, you cannot can't be controlled. It can be tamed. Right. You can't somehow domesticate it. Mm-hmm. It has to be. It has destroyed. to be destroyed in order for you to 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 live and and oh it's just a great passage um it's in in the book the great divorce and it's this character um and lust has gotten a hold and it just and he and he wants to choose he wants to but he can't let go of this lust and and remember the the uh the angel or the the it tells him just just give me the word. You don't have to destroy it. I'll destroy it. But you just, you have to tell me to, you have to give me the word. And, uh, and finally, and then he says, will it hurt? And he's in there. Yes, it'll be excruciating. It'll be very painful, yeah. uh, but you have to do it. You have to. And, um, anyway, that, that reminds me, but confession is really a gift. Um, we don't have to do the hard part of actually, you know, doing the, the destroying, he, he'll do that. He will take it up, but you do have to tell him you have to, you have to, to want him to. And I mean, even still, I'm not saying it's, it's an easy thing, you know, it's a little yeah. spiritual and it'll ultimately we have glory. I want people to know the name of that book. The great it's divorce. Yeah. The great divorce. So and good. It, it Best, is yes. very, very good about uh, about the nature of yeah. of, of sanctification, yeah. the process, what it's all about, yeah. and how we can participate by faith in the process of being transformed. It's very brilliant. Yeah. 
Brilliant book. Yeah, it, it's uh, he had, I guess at one some point, somebody had written about the marriage of heaven and hell. And so the C.S. Lewis, this book was a response to that and the great divorce of heaven and hell. So, you know, and he says in the opening, this is all just conjecture. You know, he, I make no claims that this is what it looks like. But his, based on scripture and based on just his understanding of the spiritual realities and physical um, representations of those spiritual realities, he writes this kind of fantastical story of a bus ride to heaven and what it will make, look like of this divorce between him. Because we are, it is hard, when I think of it being difficult to imagine heaven, the the most difficult thing is how I mean, we're so used to swimming in sin. I mean, we're so used to functioning in brokenness. I cannot imagine like a, a glory where there's strength and courage and just all these really amazing things and only those things. <laughs> no death, no things. tears, no brokenness, no, no addictions, temptations. no temptations. Um, yeah. The great divorce when, uh, between uh, good and evil. That's going to be fun. <laughs> I can only imagine. I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun to imagine. It's great. That is our big, I mean, that is our hope, the hope of glory. Uh, and uh, and maybe back to Deuteronomy. I don't. I mean, I, I think I think that maybe the con- the connection is you know, these these laws uh, are a little bit of a taste of of a heavenly experience. And so, what what you know, you can read these, and he talks about um, you know he gives them also kind of rhythms and dates and festivals every seven years. Um, you know, forgiveness or, or, or making sure to leave certain um, the corner of the wheat, you know, the, for the widows and the orphans. Um, what do you get? You get the, I mean, we get the Passover in Deuteronomy. Yes. He uh, establishes that. He establishes the festival of uh, the shelters, right? The, yes. Um, and so you get kind of these rhythms. What, the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement. Yeah. What is kind of undergirding these? You know, it's um, joy and celebration and um, loving each other. And so it's kind of that bigger. You get tastes of it. And like you said earlier, also, the law reveals what where we are broken. So, so not only does the law for us in terms of something that, you know, ways that we can live, that will um, bring life and pres- pres- um, preservation, but it also reveals to us that we will break those laws. We're broken, um, yeah. and so He provides a mirror, really, to for us. This is how you were intended to function, and look at you—you're broken. You can't. You can't even do this. You need a savior. savior. (laughs) You need forgiveness. And so that's a, 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 for, I mean, that in itself is a a gift as well. Well, that's, that's what the Bible is all about. (laughs) We're finally seeing it. (laughs) We're finally understanding a little bit about Oh, yeah, right. Right. I know our pastor always, after we read, he'll read, uh, you know, whatever the sermon passage is going to be, and he always 
every time closes with this is God's word and he gives it to us because he loves us and he wants us to know him. I always love that he says that. It's that reminder that this is for us, that we can know him. Uh, and he loves us. All right. Well, let, let's jump ahead a little bit okay. if we want to and talk about Mark. Okay. We're going to go from Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, Deuteronomy, the books of Moses. And we're going to go into Joshua now. Mm. into another era, uh, a key era. Now they're going to go into the promised land that was promised by uh, God to Abraham 400 years before this. And they're going to go in to the land of milk and honey, and they're going to not have to live in tents anymore, pick up the tent, move to a different place. They can have a city, a town. They can have the land. They can. Uh, They're not uh, a church plant anymore. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're right. They're, they have a Sorry. place you know, of their own. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, a new level, a new kind of existence with new lessons to learn as well mm-hmm. when they move there. So we're going to make that jump. Uh, but first, we're going to jump over into the New Testament, <laughs> as we call it, and see a little bit of the the finished story mm-hmm. as the Messiah has come. He's carrying out his work, his, his, uh, his uh, task. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also fun, though, to see is, yes, the Messiah, but it's also interesting to see this is the same yes. people group. Yes. Now, generations later... And how they have, what has, what has, what has happened with them (laughs) and the things that they have, um, of course, I mean, we'll get there, but it's not as if, uh, you know, they're, they're, this is the same, still celebrating Passover, still the tabernacle, still the Holy of Holies, still, mm -hmm. And the same problems. Mm -hmm, And the same (laughs) problems. Uh huh. Now it's the Romans. It was the Babylonians. It was the Assyrians. It was the Amalekites. All the ites. um, uh, And so, uh, but yeah, here we are. So it's it's kind of interesting to see. Yes, indeed. That as well, from Moses to Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. (laughs) I see that's the title of your next 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 book, book. right? (laughs) There we go. Okay. Well, Mark is very interesting. It's, he writes uh, basically from the per- perspective of Peter. Mark was uh, a young man. We read about him in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. He was a young kid uh, following the Lord, learning to be. He went on the first missionary journey with uh, Paul. And, and so on. He, but he writes basically the memoirs of Peter, it, it is thought. Mm-hmm. And so he, we're going to be focusing, just as Matthew focused on Jesus as uh, the king, the Messiah, the king of the Jews, ri- written from a Jewish perspective. Mark writes more from Jesus the servant. Mm-hmm. That's his emphasis. 
as we get into the book of, uh, of Mark, we'll see the Messiah going from place to place, town to town, person to person, people group to people group, and touching lives, forgiving, cleansing, restoring, raising from the dead. Jesus, the servant of God, coming to serve people and pour out his life in service for us. Mm -hmm. That'll be the basic theme that we'll see from the beginning in the Gospel of Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I would have liked to, I mean, I, it would have been fun to write about Peter. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how else to say that, but that would have been a fun one to, I kind of envy Mark a little bit, like get to write about what Peter's experiences were. <laughs> Peter was a, he's such a firecracker. Piece I just of, love Peter. He was a piece of work. <laughs> he, he was, I feel like I can relate with, with Peter. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll, um, uh, yeah, it'll be a fun it will be a fun, a fun jump uh, to get into Mark. Of course, I always, yes, uh, as far as Gospels, I mean, you can't, I mean, John is always such a fun one, too. But yeah. that's okay. We will look forward to that. Uh, just hang in there. Keep reading. Got to keep reading to get to that part. <laughs> well, I can't think of anything else about De- Deuteronomy that we have missed. In this second giving of the law. Okay. I remember, let's see, from, you know, the questions, uh, and I I love, you know, we haven't, sometimes we ask more questions than we do other programs this uh, Sunday. I'm sorry if you love the questions. We haven't really made it, um, I haven't asked many questions this Sunday, but the questions can all be found on the website, and they're great um, to go by. I mean, it's fun. My son loves doing Bible trivia. We were just talking about Bible trivia, oh, this morning. It's yeah. Like, um, but there's like a trivial pursuit that's Bible themed and it's just, it is fun just to test your, not just, of course, you know, your understanding, but you gotta just have at least the basics and just remembering some of this stuff. And so all of those questions, um, are on the website as well. And, uh, they are the same from year to year. One of these days, I think, uh, one of these years I'll actually be able to answer all of them. Maybe I'll ace the, the quiz. Um, but what was my, let's see, one of my favorite ones with uh, this reading, which was specifically Deuteronomy 6 through 28. Um, well, what was God's motive for giving Israel all the laws and regulations is for their own well-being and survival. Um, and then, okay, in order to preserve the purity of worship, what commanded Moses give Israel as to where they were to offer their sacrifices to the Lord? And I thought that um, this is just interesting because it does seem so mundane. Um, uh, I'll just go ahead and the answer was only in the prescribed manner and then the prescribed places where the tabernacle was placed and later the temple in Jerusalem. It was often disobeyed and especially in, in the northern tribes. Um, but I just, the level of 
specific, you know, specificity. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we might wonder like why or be very easy to justify or to, or to try to hold on to certain things or kind of pick and choose what we obey or what we don't obey. And, um, and I, I, I like that Deuteronomy doesn't let us kind of have that option. It, it puts it in our face. Um, you will, you know, you're going to obey this or you're not obey. And again, the, the context isn't for salvation. <laughs> it's not um, obey this and just, or, or you're not, you know, saved. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is an opportunity to work out your faith and your obedience mm-hmm. and your understanding of who he is and your trust that he is, he's got a reason. He has a reason. It's almost like a parent child. You know, if this, if God is building a relationship with this people group, it's as if this people group are our little toddlers <laughs> and Moses is giving a bunch of toddlers the rules. Um, you know, and, and like you see, and of course, then, then we grow and we develop and we learn and the laws maybe are, but, um, I, I think that that is an interesting, he's got a very short leash on his people in Deuteronomy. Right. <laughs> and, and if they follow, follow these rules, they will be blessed. Yeah. They will fulfill God's purpose for them in bringing the Messiah into the world. And, and, so, and they couldn't even really do these. Right. They do the earthly part. But God yeah. still was faithful to work in them, with them, around them, through them, and allow them to fulfill that part. So that the Messiah could come. Right. And, and, and as a servant. It's all about and, him. Uh, yeah, as a servant. As a servant. Yeah. And that will be next week. Y'all, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with the Bible Live. Have a wonderful week. dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live Broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.